Hey everyone. So as you can hear, the microphone's a little different as I am traveling this week going throughout California. But I am so excited to be bringing you today's guest because he is a true expert in medical device sales. And I will go through that in the episode. But I just want to give a quick shout out to our boy Sheck, who was in the course not even eight weeks. It's from Liberia over here in the United States, just graduated and broke in to the industry in eight weeks. And we're just so proud of him. Again, being able to see our students have such fast success is so much fun. And it's why we do what we do. If you guys are really interested and you want to really learn how to break into medical device sales, get multiple offers, be able to leverage those offers to make more than the average. Again, our average student is making $91,000 when they break into the industry, which is way more than if you're looking at normal associate positions or even some full-line rep roles. So if you guys would, would love to have you in the course. There's more information in the links below as well. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. But if you're not following me on LinkedIn, you will need one eventually. So make sure to make that and then follow me and we'd love to connect. Uh, I post, I just actually posted my 12-year reflection on there yesterday. I post some mindset, post things about medical device sales and also connect with other individuals on there. So if you guys don't have one, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm just so thankful for everybody uh, in the community that we've been able to grow. Uh, we have just opened up a new session uh, since it is February, uh, allowing people in. But just so you guys know, we only have two spots left so far. Um, as you are hearing this, as I'm making this. So if you are interested, please feel free to reach out on LinkedIn or new to medical device sales on Instagram. Happy to connect with you guys. Um, and we will hopefully give you a lot of value on this. This is going to be a two part podcast because there is so much value. So I'm really excited to have Jason on. I'm excited for the value he's about to bring you guys. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to New to Medical Device Sales. I am your host, Jacob McLaughlin. And today, you guys, I'm so excited to be bringing you guys a true expert. Um, and I truly mean that. Today, we have the pleasure of having somebody who's been in the pharma and medical device sales industry for over 24 years. They've been a rep. They've been a manager. They're an author, a speaker, a consultant. They have over, they have nine kids. So you know that they're able to handle some chaos and, and be responsible. Um, so today, we're so thankful and grateful to have Jason Elmore on today's show. So Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I appreciate you just taking time to, to join us because your resume says it all. And we'll, and we'll dive deep into that. But I, again, you just have so much experience and, and your content that you put out is so great and so helpful. And so I just feel honored to be able to have you today because I know the listeners here today are going to get so much value from you because that's really what you are. You're, you're a walking book of value. <laughs> right on. Well, I am excited. Uh, when I first heard that you existed and what you were up to and how you were trying to help people break into med device, um, that, that got me fired up. Um, for me, um, my story is a little more personal. And so I, I don't know where everybody that, that you're talking to comes from, but when I was six, there were two things that kind of happened. Um, we we moved from the country. We lived in a mobile home out in the country, and my dad got a job, and we we moved into town. That same year, my mom, who you see pictured, uh, was diagnosed with cancer, and she fought a nine-year battle with cancer, and then she died. A lot of the developments, a lot of the innovations, a lot of the technology that we now have would have saved her life. But as you can imagine, as a kid, there was a piece of me 
that, you know, when I went to bed at night and said my prayers, I was praying for the gift of healing. Now, for me, I'm, I'm the son of a coal miner, very blue collar background. I was one of the first kids in my family to go to college. Med tech, med school just was not in my future. Sorry, med school was not in my future. A little bit of a late bloomer. But when somebody came along and said, hey, you, you know, I see what you can do. I see what you're about. You should take a look at this. And I was like, what? You do what? You go in the operating room and you, you what? You, you help search. You what? You know, just, but you talk about lighting a, a fire, right? There was also this, there was already this personal situation that kind of, I was desperate to help people feel better, uh, you know, get over diseases or injuries or whatever that was. And so when I found out about med tech, I was so excited. Um, so if you're, if your audience is saying, yeah, I, I've heard about it. I've got my reasons. You know, I'm passionate about patients. The, the, the note that I put out to LinkedIn yesterday was kind of also telling. I, I love LinkedIn. I love uh, the people that do med tech, but I'm, I'm kind of tired of seeing people with a surgeon who's holding their product. Like, listen, I do want them to succeed. I, I do. But that just doesn't work for me. Like, don't show me that. Tell me about the patient. What did your product just do for the patient? Tell me that story. Now I get fired up about that. Is that fair? Yeah. Or, or when you finally get the job, when you finally break into med tech and you're on the sales side, you're going to get a quota. And so sometimes when I'm training or I'm leading events with salespeople, I'll ask them, so what would it mean if you, if you missed your quota? And the answer I get most of the time is, you know, well, I, you know, I wouldn't make my money or I, you know, I, and what I'm trying to help them appreciate is like, no, 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 no. If you don't hit your quota, that means how many patients didn't get relief from your product? Like somebody got their face ripped off or something like, cause some of the older technologies that you're replacing are a little barbaric. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, the, the, the opportunity to make things better is serious. Like that patient is going to have this, this, and this, if you don't win tomorrow, if you don't convince that surgeon to use your device, then it means this. Ugh. So, um, um, I, just, <laughs> I, I just want to touch on that. That That is so good because that is that I actually literally just had a talk with somebody in our uh, sales uh, course about that to that exact point is a quota is just the impact that you're having on those patients lives and everybody again in med device and med tech you and I both know this yes you can have a nice career you can make good money and we, we all know that but everyone will a lot of times be like why are you so good or like why are why are the top reps so good and I think it's because to your point, they know the more people they're helping, that's what drives them. That's what gets them out of bed. Because if we're just going dollarly cost average, a lot of times it's not going to be worth it. But when you have a bigger mission of beyond yourself and the impact that you're able to have, that makes you worth it to go do it and know that you're providing that much value. And, and like you know this, and we all know is the amount of money you make is just the amount of value that you provide um, right. to the market. And so I just love that you said that. Mm -hmm. So you, you thought it would be helpful for your your audience if they knew a little bit about my career path? Yeah. So, yeah. But I, it's a great question. Um, and it, it's going to come back in the in, in like a part B here in a second in terms of how I counsel other people who are coming into the industry or just making job moves, right, in the industry. Yep. Um, for me, um, went to college as a marketing major. And coming out, we had a lot of uh, companies coming on campus recruiting. 
And I got one piece of good advice, and that was pay attention to their training. So, you know, Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance and and some manufacturing businesses and, you know, some other more glamorous, sexy things, working on Wall Street and some things. But Brian Baguera came on campus from Cintas Corporation. It's like, hey, sell uniforms to gas stations and, and coal mines and, and like shop rags. And I was like, eh, that's not sexy. But this cat came on campus with a six-month syllabus. Cintas had a management training program where they were making hundreds of millions of dollars at the time, not because they had you know sexy shop rags, but because they had this tremendous internal development program for leadership and now they're multi-billion dollar industry company. But I was so impressed. I was just blown away. Like he could tell me where I was going to be every day for six months, what the training was going to be and what it looked like. And that was super impressive. And it turned out to be the exact right answer. And that's what I would tell your, your team and your audience is you're looking at your job opportunities, pay really close attention to the training. It's going to have a huge impact on your future success, your your career tenure. Um, so one of the things that I focus on as a director of sales training and learning development for four companies over the last 12 years. One, I got to address some frustrations I felt like when I was in training, I like this could be better, right? That was yeah. <laughs> part of the motivation was like, could we make this better? But I learned a lot as well, right? Um, adult learning concepts and best ways to do things and which led to the book, right? So I wrote a book in 2017, Elite Execution, that was coming out of that experience of being the director of sales training. In my classroom, we had as many as 16 people at a time. In the course of one week, they would do as many as 10 role plays. Well, that's 160 sales calls in a four-day period. That's a beautiful little laboratory where you can see what works and what doesn't work. And that's what led to the book was not stuff that I created so much as stuff that I observed, like, ooh, that's good. Yep. Ooh, that works. Ooh. And I'm a big fan of the challenger sale. And Adamson and Dixon say the same thing. Like, they didn't create challenger methodology. They observed it. They said, there, there are people who are winning here in the crisis of the financial crisis of 08, 09. What are they doing? And they just went and observed it, right? Um, and if you know Challenger, they've they've continued to um, stay on the research side and have pivoted and developed, and now they have sense making some other things. So if you're not paying attention to their most recent stuff, you're missing it. But um, one of the things I would tell your audience is really quickly they're going to have to uh, understand the difference between success and failure is going to come from confidence. And one of the ways that plays out is the difference between being aggressive versus being perceived as assertive. When the when the rep comes in and she hit her quota at the beginning of the month and here we are at the at the end of the quarter and she's you know way over, you know, she walks in, she's confident, right? She and and she's perceived as being assertive as opposed to the same rep who walked in earlier that morning. She's $100,000 behind her number with 2 days to go. Yep. She's desperate. And it comes off as aggressive and the only difference is confidence and so as a trainer over the years and what i preach to training people i work with is your whole goal as a trainer is to build this person's confidence 
They've put your their career in your hand, their ability to provide for their families and build a resume and all this stuff, right? Like your goal is to give them confidence because it matters because it gets perceived in the field by customers. <laughs> um, so whether that's the right sales tools, right clinical data, good product, good you know, good procedures, um, it all matters. And so as you're looking at opportunities, really pay attention to the training. It's probably going to make the difference when you get out in the field. That's so good. So, to that end, um, went to Cintas, had a friend come along about three years into it and say, hey, I see what you can do. I see what you're about. You should take a look at this pharma thing. It's a company car. It's a salary. It's a, it's a professional. <laughs> pretty, good, pretty good gig. Yeah. It's, um, so I was in, right? And and got, got that job. Um, about two years into it, we were right in the middle of uh, the arms race. Pfizer and other companies were just loading up on sales reps and diminishing the value of sales reps in that space. And it was unfortunate what happened there. But um, that's how I knew it was time to go. When I started not being valuable to the people I was calling on, I was miserable. Just miserable. But I had somebody come along and say, hey, I see what you're about. I see what you can do. Just take a look at this. I was like, you, and that and that was the whole thing. Like, what? You can you can do that? It, it was med tech, right? And my first interview was with Cynthia's trauma. And I went into the, the case and there was a guy on the table. He got hit by a bus earlier that morning. And he had broken his leg from the knee, knee down, just clean break. It, you know, his ankle was just dangling, dangling there. It was gross. And they were putting a tibial nail in. The doctor's like wailing on this tibial nail. And I could not stay on my feet. I, I barely made it out of the room and like collapsed in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> our experience like not good <laughs> um, so i end up not taking that job um and i admire people who can do trauma and, and that schedule but uh long story short got into uh, uh an entry-level kind of marketing pro program with kaifon then got into an entry-level uh or rep consultative job with johnson johnson in sports medicine and then got a call a call from a recruiter. He said, Hey, this is tiny little company. Don't know if you'd be interested, but um, it's calling on ENT. The device is used with the endoscope in the, in the nose and the sinus space. And it's a balloon that moves bone. Well, in my pharma days, I had sold allergy and antibiotics to ENTs and allergists. So that was my call point. When I went to Kaifon, that was a balloon that moved bone in the spine. And when I went to Johnson Johnson in sports medicine, we were doing arthroscopic shoulders and knees. So it was all under the scope. Yep. Right? So ENT, balloons that move bone, scope. I'm like, dude, I'm perfect. You got to give me this interview. I'm, I'm like, this is yes. And, and there's a great story there. Long story short, I was desperate. There was a desperate situation. This was just perfect. But so I will tell your people, like, you kind of want to look for that. Yeah. If you know the story of David and Goliath, you know that before Goliath, David had actually fought with a bear and a lion. And what I've seen and what I look for and what I tell people to look for is God is very gracious and he's very kind. And he gives us a bear and a lion before he gives us the Goliath. And so you want to look in your career and you want to see, you know, what what is he given 
in your career path that prepared you for this next thing. And if you can't yeah. see it, you need to be very, very cautious and very wary. And like, I don't know if that's the one, right? I kind of need to see this, this thing because it, it matters. And you should be able to see it. And many times we do, right? And if we don't, then I give some other counsel. And But you want to see that. Did you see that in your career path? A hundred percent. Like, so I've always said this. It's it's like, again, I'm a man of faith in two, but I always laugh and about like, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Absolutely. And, and I always joke around with people is like, he knows what he's doing and he formats because like, even like for the format of like, people would always talk to me, Hey, you're a personal trainer. That doesn't relate at all. And I was like, actually, it relates a whole lot because here I was able to say, Hey, I'm already working these long hours here. I'm already able to work with doctors, CEOs, like these top executives get to know them actually relationally before I ever had to actually go into medical device sales. And so to your point, I was able to do it. And then even during that journey of going into medical device sales, I just actually had to talk with somebody. You get multiple job offers, right? Like for example, I did, and I was very fortunate. I had to prey on those because, you know, some of them you have peace, some of them you don't. And you're like trying to walk through that. And to your point, when you look back at what's happened in my life to get me to where I'm at right now, that was a big journey. And like, especially where I'm at right now, like to just be transparent, I go into GYN and I'm like, hey, what's, where's this going to kind of take me? And now I'm with a company that calls on GYN and general surgery, right? Like, it, like you said, it was the perfect. And I was like working with products that I actually used to sell. And I'm like, I, I get this, this makes sense. And it's yeah, that yeah. step before. Yeah. So if people are jumping out of one industry into med tech, yeah, that's a big jump. You want to look for some clues that maybe, you know, you've, you've had a chance to prepare a little bit. And then once you're in med tech is you're jumping spaces, right? So I went from ENT, sports med, spine, urology, those sound very disparate. But there actually was a thread and there was a reason why those things went very well. Mm-hmm. So to, to your audience, important to note. The other thing is I want to put you, I want to put everybody back on their heels a little bit. It is an awesome job. Okay. But think about it this way. Changing human behavior is tough. Okay. That's just sales, changing human behavior. That's tough. Persuading another person, in this case, a surgeon or a physician, who's your superior on pretty much every level. They get more education than you, more prestige, more letters behind their name. They probably make more money than you, like name it. Okay, that's exceptionally challenging. Now do this. Persuade this doctor to take your innovation put it in or on another human being who's entrusted their life or their care to them. They're going to go against all their former training. They're probably going to go against their academy or their crediting body, right? That has guidelines on stuff like this. And depending on how startup and how new, you know, and innovative it is, it probably doesn't have coding and reimbursement yet. So they're going to do all of that and take a chance on not getting paid. If you wonder why startup med tech reps make so much money in our industry, that's why. Because the challenge is off the charts, right? <laughs> that, that, that's that's amazing. If you can do that, like, yeah, you should get every dollar they give you. <laughs> okay. But I, I do want to like put people back on their hit. Like that is what we're asking you to do. 100%. So as we go through this, this next, you know, segment, bear that in mind. That That's what's up. That's why we're saying like, Read good books, get good training, talk to smart people, 
there are things to know, and this is this is going to be quite a challenging job. Yeah, so it's no walk in the park. We always say, right, All right. Um, so let's pivot. Um, as you and I had discussed, there are some things I want to give your audience. I, yeah. I just want to bring value to them. And one of the things that I want to give you is um, on the screen right now. Can you see it? Yeah. Yep. We're good. All right. Right on. So there was a point in my career where I, I was working with clinical specialists and a lot of the entry level opportunities right now are to have you be an associate rep or a sub rep or um, a situation where you're not running a territory. There, there's a senior representative who's running that territory. You've been added as a resource to them um, and, and you've got a role to play, right? And that's super challenging because frankly, a lot of med tech reps are reps because they're not good at managing other people. And maybe they're not good at collaborating with other people. So if you run into that situation, give me a call. I can give you some pointers on that one in <laughs> particular. But at one point I had uh, a situation where I had five or six clinical specialists covering cases for me, right? So a lot of the entry-level positions are, are this kind of clinic rep where they, you're going to come in, you're going to cover my cases. Okay, great. Uh, and that's going to be an awesome opportunity and awesome experience. But there are some things that you should do specifically. How do I cover cases? How do I go in to this OR? Um, so... This is what I call investigate, articulate, celebrate. Three things that you should do every case you cover. So when these people would cover cases for me, they knew that at the end of the day, they had to call me and that I was going to ask them three questions. Tell me about the patient. Tell me about the case. And tell me what you chose to celebrate. Those three, those were the three things. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when I say investigate, I need to know male or female, what was their age? Did they have any previous surgery? What were their chief symptoms? Any other concomitant diseases? What medications were they taking? What were their test scores? Like, I need to know about the patient. So when you walk in the OR, I want you thinking the doctor's thoughts after him. I want you to become part of the treatment team. I want you to come in and ask these questions because you know who asks these questions when they come in the OR? Other doctors. Other doctors. You could be that person who comes in the OR and says, hey, how about them Steelers? <laughs> you can, hey, if you want to be that guy, you can be that guy. <laughs> I, I don't recommend you be that person. Okay. Now, on the flip side, here's here's the way it works. So that person covered four cases for me today. And that device is indicated for patients 45 and older, uh, male and female with uh, uh, a liver size of, you know, X to X gland size, whatever. Okay. So like, yeah, four patients, great day. Cases went well. Tell me about the patients. Well, we had a 72 year old gentleman with a hundred gram something or other. You had a 74 year old male with a hundred grams something or other you had a 69 year old male with a 65 gram something or other and you had a 80 year old male okay but my my indication is 45 years and older and it's 30 to 100 grams and so i'm all excited because i got four cases today but because you asked the right questions, I now know that that surgeon is not comfortable with my full indication and isn't using it to the full indication. And his patient selection is not nearly where I want it to be. I got four cases today. I should have had 10. Mm. See the difference? Yep. 
This is how you find out you're getting niched. Okay. So it's super important information. It helps you be part of the treatment team so that later in the case, when you're advising them to use more of your product or, you know, something, another version or another screw or whatever it is, you're not upselling. Yep. You're part of the treatment team because you ask the right questions at the beginning of the case. You're treated differently. Yep. Now, the other thing is this. There will be some things that go on in this case that because you asked me these questions, you're not having the wrong reaction or you don't lose credibility. So for instance, let's say the patient was on Eliquis and they took him off Eliquis four days ago. Well, Eliquis is a blood thinner and it takes seven days to wash out. So you're going to have a bloody case. And if it's arthroscopic, you're going to have trouble this whole case because you can't see. And there's, there's things like that where you kind of need to know because they're impacting your case and they're impacting your product and they're impacting your procedure. That if you ask the right questions, you're not the idiot in the room going, wow, man, it's a lot of blood. I wonder what's going on. And like, you're not panicking, you know, thinking the patient's dying. It's like, no, no, it, you know, the washout period wasn't enough. Like it's those kind of things. Like, okay, number two, tell me about the procedure. Tell me about the case. I believe in something called verbal technical assistance. There is a very concise, very precise way to articulate your procedure and you better have it. If you're giving a certain certain guidance, if you're consultative on application of a product, you better be nails. You, I mean, and it better be concise, like as few words as possible, yep. very precise use of terminology, like you, and your ability to articulate the anatomical structures and the orientation and like, it, it better be pretty impressive. Like I, <laughs> I, I'm horrified sometimes at what I hear in the OR. Hey, go up just a little bit up up just a little bit, that has a lot of different meanings in an OR setting. Yep. All right. So enough with that. Hopefully your product and procedure training is spot on and you're a pretty sharp cat and you know that that stuff is important. Finally, celebrate. You need to choose something that made this case go well. Answer the question. The reason this case went so well is... Now that might be ergonomics, it might be methodology, it might be the precise way they articulated the devices. Doctors love to be told they're precise, they're methodic, like, but maybe your device enabled them to do that in half the time. Were you tracking the time? Like, did you call that out? Did you celebrate? Hey, dude, this used to take you 90 minutes. We just did that in 37 minutes. Yep. Uh, or, or look at the blood loss or look at the, like you preserve that tissue. You preserve that anatomy or like celebrate. Let's get excited because I got news for you. The nurse was looking at the screen and all she saw was pink. The anesthesiologist was checking his stocks. So, you know, he didn't even pay attention. He was sleeping half of that yeah, time. He wasn't even paying attention. Like <laughs> everybody needs to get excited, especially if you have new technology. And this is the first case ever done in this hospital or in this County or in this state. Like you need to be celebrating. Now, here's what you want. When you're not there, the day you're not there, you're driving down the road and you get a text message from a surgeon. Today was the day he was going on his own. He suits you a couple pictures you're not allowed to have because of HIPAA. He says, hey, look at this. You know, four millimeters, 20 minutes. Like, Okay, why is the surgeon sending you a text message with that information? The day you're not there, 
is because you're the only person who can appreciate what they just did. They know yeah. and they want that celebration again. They want that stroke. They want, yeah, they feel want good. That, yeah, the com camaraderie and this team thing that we developed. Like, yes. And, and they want somebody else to know what they just did. Because listen, you you celebrated after that case. She went home and the kids were waiting and the dinner needed to be done and the laundry needed to fold in. Like, nobody knows what she just did. Do you not know what I just did? Like nobody knows except for you. And if you missed that opportunity to celebrate, you missed a huge opportunity. Yeah. How was this different? How was this better? How, what did it mean for the patient? Like, let me, did you take pictures? Did you put it in the chart? Did you show the, the family in the waiting room? Like celebrate, get excited. <laughs> right. But I will tell you this. And that's the quote at the bottom of the screen from John Larson. The greatest benefit from the ability to distill customer loyalty into a few easy to understand behaviors was also the biggest drawback. It made the execution of such behaviors seem trivial. In most cases, easy is extremely difficult to achieve on a consistent basis. You gotta do this every time. Mm -hmm. If you want this, if you want the text message, this has to be true of you every time. And it's going to make you a better consultant in the OR. Literally, it's going to make you a better med tech rep. Okay. But if you're entry level, then the way this looks is you, in a brief email, put these three things for every single, all four patients. And you shoot that email to your senior rep and you're like, hey, covered your four cases today. Here's what happened. Here was the patient information. Here's how the case went. Here's what I chose to celebrate. You send me that email. Oh, we are, dude. We I would love you. You love trust them. Yes. Now look, that's how you make a fantastic impression. Yeah. As a new partner to somebody who just handed you over to some of their best cut clients and said, "You cover these cases with some of my best customers." Yep. Right. Like this is how you make a fantastic impression on the other people on your team, your new manager. You're like, this is how you do it. And that's how you gain credibility in the OR, which is what everybody in this audience is desperate to get. Hey, I just got into med tech. How do I make a good impression? How do I become valuable? How do I show these people I'm legit? Like, come on now. Literally just got this question today. Just got a text message of, hey, I'm going to, I just broke in three months ago. How do I even go talk to new surgeons? Right on. How do I, how do I not look right like on. a silly goose? Right. So when I'm working with, with startup or when I'm working with entry level, this is, this is one of the things that like, you have to do this, please do, do, do this. Hope this episode was super helpful for you all. Like I said, Jason is an absolute expert and he is so valuable when he's giving all these pointers. And so if you guys would like to learn more from Jason, the links are in the description of some of his content and also courses that he offers. And if you guys are interested in breaking into medical device sales, our average student is breaking in 11 weeks at $91,000. So feel free to check out the link in the description, or you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn at Jacob McLaughlin. And if you guys aren't following me on LinkedIn, I make sure to post helpful content for you all. I've done my three, six, nine, and 12 month reflection in medical device sales. And again, I just put helpful content to help you guys that are breaking in once you are in what it's like to be a rep. So if you guys haven't go follow me on LinkedIn and you guys can reach out to me on LinkedIn or 
at Instagram at new to medical device sales or TikTok new to medical device sales. So appreciate you and go check out part two that will be coming out later this week.